Next on Inside Indiana Business, Columbus, Indiana, a Hoosier hotbed for innovation and architecture. How Cummins is putting the city on the map as a global leader in hydrogen power, the city's plan to attract talent, and its connection to one of the most popular shoes in the world. Springsteen, Terre Haute, and the first CD ever produced in North America. The Sony plant evolving from its musical past into a medical manufacturing future. And the Blue Jackets back in Indianapolis. Close to 70,000 young future business leaders in Indy for the FFA convention. What it means to them and the economic impact on the region. For 25 years, we have been Indiana's business news leader. This is IBJ Media's Inside Indiana Business with Gary Dick. Presented by Elevate Ventures and Indiana University. Hello and welcome to Inside Indiana Business. I'm Gary Dick coming to you this week from Columbus. Specifically, we're outside the Columbus engine plant at Cummins. This global manufacturer has been churning out engines for more than 100 years, fueling the Columbus area economy and also the economy. Everything from pickups to heavy-duty trucks to big earth-moving and mining machines to school buses and delivery trucks. And over all of those years, innovation has been the driver of the Cummins story. And the next chapter is now emerging here, and its name is Accelera. The Columbus Engine Plant, or Plant One at Cummins, has been in operation for nearly 100 years. In the early 60s, this plant produced more than 60% of U.S. heavy-duty truck engines. While traditional engine manufacturing continues in a big way at this massive 1.4 million square foot facility, it is giving way to a new kind of manufacturing, a new brand, and a new day at Cummins. Accelera is Cummins' zero emissions business unit that's focused on developing products and technologies for our customers to help them operate in a more sustainable way. It's absolutely not lost on us that where we built the first diesel engines, Cummins diesel engines, is where we're building the first Accelera systems and batteries. Batteries, electric motors, powertrain systems, electrolyzers, new zero emissions products that represent the future for Cummins, and all of the above strategy aimed at decarbonizing heavy industry. A key part of our investment in the the, these new technology areas has been in hydrogen and it's both in terms of pieces of equipment that can use the hydrogen to make zero emissions electricity like fuel cells but also in electrolyzers which take electricity and water and, and make clean hydrogen. Hydrogen is seen as the rising star of Cummins zero emissions portfolio. The company recently unveiled the first hydrogen powered passenger train in North America. A partnership with a French company powered by hydrogen fuel cells made in Canada. While Columbus is one of three fuel cell research centers for Accelera, production is done elsewhere, but that could change as the market evolves. Indiana's recent designation as a federal hydrogen hub and the state's increasing new energy profile are viewed as potential positives as Accelera begins its ascent. If you, you look at what's necessary to sort of transition to zero emissions, it's really a whole ecosystem. It's not just one product. You have a lot of different pieces, but we have all of those pieces here in Indiana. We've got all the right ingredients. 
so it's exciting. And to give you an idea of Cummins being all in on new energy and its Accelera brand, Cummins is a $30 billion company. The revenue projections for Accelera, six to $13 billion by 2030. This is an emerging story that we'll be covering for some time. Well, Indiana's clean energy profile getting a big boost this week, not far from here, about an hour south of Columbus in Jeffersonville, where Canadian Solar announced plans to build an $800 million solar cell production facility at the River Ridge Commerce Center. The plans are to create more than 1,200 jobs over the next several years. Canadian Solar is a big player in large-scale solar power plants and battery storage projects with operations in more than 30 countries. Meantime, in northwest Indiana, phase two now underway on the $1.5 billion Mammoth Solar Project in Stark and Pulaski counties. It is one of the largest solar projects in the United States. It's time to feel more. Feel bigger. Feel stronger. Well, coming up next, PlayStation's connection to Terre Haute. There's a new game in town, the Sony plant in Vigo County, maybe making room for medical devices. That story when we come back. Thanks, Gary, for all you do in telling the stories about Indiana business. Congratulations on 25 years. Indiana's historic stamp on music history. The Sony plant in Terre Haute cranking out the very first ever compact disc produced in North America. Bruce Springsteen's classic, Born in the USA. Well, that was back in the early 80s when CDs ruled the roost in terms of how we listen to music. Sony cranking out, get this, a whopping 23 billion CDs since 1983. But technology changed and so did work for several thousand Sony uh, workers in the Wabash Valley. The Sony DADC facility has been a fixture in Vigo County for a number of years, but has lost employment. Now be, may be writing a comeback story with medical devices. Business of Health reporter Kylie Valletta is in Terre Haute with that story. Kylie? Thanks, Gary. The Sony DADC facility was once known as the CD capital of the world, but technology has changed, so Sony is now rewriting its soundtrack. Every single PlayStation disc in North America comes through this plant to be packaged, but Sony no longer makes them. In fact, no discs are made here anymore. It's a far cry from the plant's glory days when production lines churned out four million discs per day whether it would be DVD, whether it be Blu-ray, whether it's the PlayStation game, UMD, LaserDisc, I mean, every single format has come through this Terre Haute facility uh, plant since 1983. The plant was in growth mode for 30 years, the largest employer in Terre Haute with 2,000 workers. But as demand dropped for discs in all forms, a major downturn began in 2010. And so we did have to go through um, a dramatic size reduction uh, throughout the years. And it was very difficult because these were people that had, uh, you know, bled Sony Blue for a lot of years and we just didn't have the work. There was, there was nothing we could do. The plant let go 90% of its workforce in 10 years. Packaging and distributing PlayStation discs have kept the plant alive. 
PlayStation consoles are also packaged here. But with more than 1 million square feet of space, the plant is now hungry for growth once again. For the equipment that we took out of here, how do we go through and fill the space with other diversification opportunities? Something we've never done before, which means we have to become something we've never been before. Sony is now looking for other companies to fill open manufacturing, warehousing, and distribution space and use Sony employees. The biggest impact could come from a massive clean room. Once used to make discs, now move in ready for new business, and Sony is targeting medical device companies. As we know, our country is aging in population, and we see the Indiana growth in medical device fields. Sony has one of the largest clean rooms in the Midwest, and with more than 110,000 square feet. As part of the plant's pivot, five new companies and projects have already moved in. Hopefully in three to five years from now, you know, we've got 500 to 1,000 employees because we brought in so much new business. So I think the message of the community is, yeah, we've had some rough years. We're still here, and we're, but now we're only going to continue to grow. And leaders here at the facility say the clean room perhaps presents the biggest opportunity, and not just for medical devices. The first tenant is connected to Indiana's emerging semiconductor space. Gary, back to you. All right, Kylie, thank you. An important story and one we'll be watching uh, to see what happens. There could be big news for the Wabash Valley. And I have some firsthand knowledge of, uh, of Sony and prior to Sony, Columbia Records uh, in Terre Haute. I pressed records, albums, remember those? Uh, vinyl uh, for two summers, midnight to eight shift at the Columbia Records uh, plant in Terre Haute. Uh, a lot of really big economic impact over the years uh, from uh, that company as well as Sony. Well, coming up, the Blue Coats are back with an eye toward the future. More on the FFA convention in Indianapolis and what it means to the next generation of agricultural leaders. And the Bill Durant concept taking hold in central Indiana. Learn more about the concept, including where these new neighborhoods are sprouting up in this week's IBJ. At PNC Bank, we're committed to making a difference in the lives of our customers and communities by helping them move forward financially. As a Main Street Bank, we try to do right by our customers with every encounter. Our local teams offer personalized financial advice to help guide you in making the best decision. We're proud to be part of your community. PNC Bank. See how we can make a difference for you at PNC.com. Copyright 2022, the PNC Financial Services Group Bank. All rights reserved. Well, the FFA National Convention is one of Indy's biggest, attracting more than 70,000 visitors from around the country, pumping about $40 million into the regional economy. Our Mary Rachel Redman is standing by now at the convention center in downtown Indianapolis with more on the impact of the city, but also how this event helps to fuel the talent pipeline in Indiana. Mary Rachel. Well, Gary, this week, nearly 70,000 Blue Jackets from all 50 states flooded downtown Indianapolis for the 96th annual FFA convention. The convention hall will come to order. The blue corduroy jacket, an enduring symbol of rural life in America. But make no mistake, while the organization is steeped in history dating back to the 1920s, the FFA is very much focused on the future. We are so excited to be celebrating our 96th convention. That legacy takes us all the way back to 1928 in Kansas City, Missouri, when 
uh, yeah, 33 uh, farm boys at the time got together and said, uh, you know what, we can do more together. The constant in our organization is that uh, we have uh, a series of uh, traditions and things that bring us together, uh, like our creed, which explains our belief in the future of agriculture, uh, our opening ceremonies, the way we introduce and start up meetings in a way that reminds us of the, the rising sun and our hope in the future of agriculture. Uh, we have a motto, learning to do, doing to learn, earning to live, living to serve. Those are timeless. And no matter how the, organ the, the industry of agriculture continues to evolve, they remind our students that we need to be ready and equipped for what's next. So we are absolutely uh, rooted in our traditions and equipping our students for what the future holds. The FFA isn't just for farmers anymore and really hasn't been for quite some time. With technology now dominating the ag sector requiring a diverse range of skills. A lot of times, particularly older people come up to me and say, you're with Future Farmers of America. Thank you so much for the work you do on the farms. And yes, farming is an essential part of FFA and agriculture, but now it's so much more. Crops are grown not just in the field, but in the lab where new technologies are applied to make them grow better, faster, become healthier, as well as all the packaging and all the technology that goes into designing each individual product that makes its way to your plate. And as FFA, we've really tried to encompass all of that diversity, which can be challenging, but I like to say in FFA is no longer just a place if you're a farmer. It, we have jobs in the business industry, in the lab, and any other opportunities. And in FFA, you don't even have to choose a career in agriculture. We work on growing your leadership skills through public speaking, leadership opportunities, and just ways to foster a community that will help you no matter what career you're in. Mary Rachel Redman, Inside Indiana Business. Here's what's making news around Indiana, brought to you by the Indiana Association of Realtors, Indiana's 21,000 realtors, the neighbors you know, the experts you can count on. We begin in Northeast Indiana, where it's all hands on deck in Fort Wayne to bolster the workforce by planting seeds at a young age. Grow Allen is a new organization launching in Fort Wayne, zeroing in on students as young as pre-K to help create goals for them to create career pathways. Also in Fort Wayne, Illinois-based Moore Brewing Company breaking ground on a $6 million restaurant and brewery at Fort Wayne's North River site. It's the first project to be built on the site, which used to be home to an Omnisource metal recycling plant. Last month, Fort Wayne city leaders broke ground on the second phase of its riverfront development, a $40 million project. A medical device manufacturer in Kosciuszko County will soon be under new ownership. New York-based private equity firm American Securities says it has reached an agreement to sell Pearson-based Paragon Medical to Amatech Inc., and an all-cash deal valued at $1.9 billion. Expanded access to the Internet in south-central Indiana, adding up to more jobs. Nashville-based Mainstream Fiber Networks is extending high-speed broadband access to thousands of Hoosiers in rural communities and says it plans to create about 200 new jobs. And a boost to quality of place in southwest Indiana. Warwick Trails opening a new five-mile trail in Newburgh. The Old National Bank Loop connects Friedman Park to numerous neighborhoods and an extension that leads to Castle High School and Middle School. Key players in making Columbus an attractive place to live, work, and play coming together this week in Bartholomew County. More on a big effort to leverage the city's global reputation for architecture and design. 
to boost quality of life and talent attraction. That's when we return. And IBJ Media, Inside Indiana Business and the Indiana Economic Development Corporation invite you to the annual Engage Central Indiana event presented by CareSource, Indiana University, and Old National Bank. Wednesday, December 6th at the JW Marriott downtown, we'll be diving into talent, education, and other issues shaping Central Indiana's economy. More at ibj.com engage. And the more one studies what is happening in transforming our environment into pleasant surroundings, the more one's natural path leads to Columbus, Indiana. Well, that was First Lady Lady Bird Johnson, way back in 1967, speaking in Columbus after a tour of this city's architectural gems. She talked about Columbus as the Athens of the Prairie, calling it then a fascinating laboratory for community planning. Columbus's rich architectural heritage dates back to the 1940s and 50s, and the vision of industrialist and philanthropist J. Irwin Miller, a longtime CEO of Cummins, who pledged the company's financial support to get top architects to design buildings here. Well, today this town of about 50,000 residents continues to be among the most important architectural cities in the nation, along with the likes of San Francisco, Boston, and Chicago. Miller's vision was to create a city in which the smartest, most able, and best young families would want to live. Well, that vision is alive and well today and about to take a big leap forward. The design of the hill actually is a nod to the indigenous mound building traditions of this region. The city's rich architectural heritage and creativity are on full display right now at the fourth installation of Exhibit Columbus a three-month celebration featuring 13 art installations at iconic locations throughout the city. When we think about talent attraction, when we think about trying to get young creative people, we know from the history of Columbus that this is a strategy that works, that investing in parks, investing in schools, investing in libraries, and more than just uh, the bottom line, make them the very best buildings, the very best parks they can be, that that's what we want as humans. We wanna be in places that inspire us. This year, Columbus is looking to inspire others. The idea was to have this uh, large playing court. Positioning itself as a model for creating quality of place. So the project specifically extends the physical uh, geometry of the Millray Center out into the landscape. Mayors and community leaders from throughout the state and a key executive from the National Endowment for the Arts were in Columbus this week for a first-hand look. We really have been focusing for two years on trying to figure out how we convince people to come downtown and to make meaningful connections in public space. And so this has become a program that's, you know, it's interesting. It's nationally lauded. We're in so many art and architecture publications, but we're still trying to get Indiana to come pay attention to what we're doing because it's a great um, art experience and it's also just a great way to see a community in new light. And as the region prepares for the next round of the state's regional economic development grants, downtown Columbus is eyeing a major project. Ready is an amazing uh, initiative by the state and this community is right on it. And so we've been working for the past six months to think about a strategy um, for creating a performing arts center in this community that would give us something to do, you know, many nights a week and would really become a, a hub of activity. And so I know that there are very serious plans to get that in into the Ready application that goes out next year. And we feel like we have a good chance to get it. 
and much more to come on that potential performing arts center here in Columbus in the weeks ahead. Well, nothing much compared to lacing up those Chuck Taylors before hitting the court back in the day. Taylor got his footing right here in Columbus, where he was a star basketball player and the man behind those Converse All-Star shoes, which he developed a century ago, and still remain one of the most popular best-selling sneakers on the planet. Well, I bet Bill Benner slipped on a pair of those uh, Converse All-Stars uh, more than once when he was shooting hoops in Center Grove back in the day. Bill is my guest this week on the Business and Beyond podcast. He's a highly respected, award-winning indie sports journalist who really has covered just about every major sporting event and team in Indiana for decades. One of his favorite memories, 1984, when the Colts moved from Baltimore to Indianapolis. I got the phone call uh, from our assistant sports editor at the time, and he said, it's confirmed the, the Mayflower vans have left Baltimore and they're on their way to Indianapolis. And I just remember... Oh, my God, we're, uh, this is a seismic event uh, for Indianapolis. Much more with Bill Benner on this week's Business and Beyond podcast. To check it out, just go to InsideIndianaBusiness.com. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's edition of Inside Indiana Business. We hope you have enjoyed our trip to Columbus, a city with a global reputation for architecture, now designing a plan to attract and keep talent on a bigger scale. There's also a rich manufacturing economy here that is transitioning to new energy. I even got behind the wheel of an electric-powered big rig, so that made my trip. Thanks for joining us. I'm Gary Dick. Go out and make it a successful week. Thank you for listening to the Inside Indiana Business Television podcast. Remember, you can get the latest business news from every corner of the state at InsideIndianaBusiness.com. I'm Gary Dick. Go out and make it a successful week.